do you think is in the report, and should Trump be scared? Um, I honestly, I'm not going to, like, make any predictions about what could happen with the Mueller probe, because it can honestly go in so many ways. You know, it can either be, you know, it'd be like, and oh my gosh, like, holy crap, we all, like, what we all, like, thought was the worst that could happen was happening this entire time, or it could be like, oh, you know, blah, blah, this, blah, blah, that, you know, it's like, it's kind of bad, you know, kind of good, or it could just be like, oh, you know, everyone was just paranoid. Um, I I certainly hope it would be the first um, possibility that I had mentioned, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know, it just... It, I can't really make any predictions about that. You have to wait to see what happens. Uh, I would have to agree with Terry on this, that it could either be, I mean, we don't really know yet. It could be something very bad and outrageous, or it could be something that is uh, mundane or uh, irrelevant. Uh, uh, diverging from Terry's point of view, I would rather hope that it's a second because uh, I would just prefer that our presidents weren't colluding with foreign powder with uh, mm-hmm. foreign powers. Mm-hmm. I, it's probably going to be the second, but we can't know for certain. So, would would you compare this administration to the Nixon administration in nineteen sixty Oh, jeez. Uh... That was an former interview with Terry Wing and Cooper Smith, host and co-host of Immature Politics. And prior to that question, we're going to start off with tonight's show with Mueller. So Caitlin Pollins, a senior writer for Crime and Justice at CNN, published a new piece today reporting the Mueller grand jury extended for up to six months. That article went on to say, quote, special counsel Robert Mueller's federal grand jury has been extended so it may continue to meet and vote on criminal indictments for up to six more months. The extension is a sure sign yet that the Russia investigation isn't finished. It means broadly that Mueller may continue pursuing alleged criminal alleged criminal activity related to the Russian government's interference in the 2016 presidential elections and that more indictments may be coming. Stay with us. We'll be right back. So President Donald Trump spoke at the White House Rose Garden today. Here's what he said. Schumer came out and said that the meeting... Thank you very much. We had a very, very productive meeting, and I think we've come a long way. I'll discuss that in a second, but first, I I imagine you've all seen the uh, incredible job growth, 312,000 jobs, which took everybody by surprise. Estimates range from 160 to 180,000, and uh, this really took people by surprise. This is a great number. I think it has a lot to do with the factories and with the companies that are moving back into the United States who have left, and now they're coming back to us instead of being in other countries. I can't tell you what that does to other countries, but I'm the president of this country. So 312,000 jobs was a tremendous number and obviously having a big impact on the stock market today. 
And uh, I do want people to remember that we've had a tremendous success, despite the fact that I'm in the midst of negotiating incredible trade deals for our country that should have been negotiated many years ago by both parties, to be honest. But many years ago, uh, we are doing very well in our negotiation with China. We pretty much concluded our negotiation with Canada, with Mexico. We have uh, done the deal and signed the deal with South Korea, which a lot of people said was not going to happen, would be impossible. It's a good deal. It was a horrible deal. It's a good deal. I think a lot of this has to do with the fact, though, that already companies are moving back into our country that have left our country in some cases. In some cases, they're moving back because they want to be here. But in many cases, uh, these are automobile companies that have left and gone to other countries, and now they're coming back to the United States. So it's nice to see. One of the things that's so beautiful to watch is 3.2% wage growth. That hasn't happened in so long for our country. That's uh, an incredible thing. That means people are actually getting more money, taking home more money. And that's something that's really nice to see. A lot of you have been following me when we were on a thing called the campaign. That was an exciting campaign, a great campaign. And I used to talk about wages going down, not going up, but going down for years, 19 years. And now they just went up 3.2%, and yet there's no inflation because other things are going down, like the price of your gasoline at the tank. It's uh, low, and that doesn't happen by luck. I work hard on that. That's like a tax cut for people. So a lot of good things are happening. Labor participation rate increased to 63.1. That's an incredible number also. So I just wanted to bring that out. Uh, the economy is very good. And remember, from the time of my election, the stock market's gone up very close to 30 percent. And that's with all of the things that are happening. And there are a lot of things happening. We have a massive trade negotiation going on with China. President Xi is very much involved. So am I. We're dealing at the highest levels and we're doing very well. We're, we're doing very well. In the meantime, we've taken in billions and billions of dollars in tariffs from China and from others. Our steel industries come roaring back, and that makes me very happy. I think we'll have to build a steel wall as opposed to a concrete wall because we have steel companies again. There's something awfully nice about that sound. Now, in that press briefing, President Trump mentioned, quote, we need a solid or steel structure. Sarah Sanders also reported, quote, 4,000 terrorists apprehended at the border. Er, <clears throat> in that press briefing, uh, a CNN reporter presses Trump. Um, that CNN reporter said, quote, you promised Mexico would pay for the wall. And obviously, President Donald Trump did promise that to his voters. Will that affect his run if he does run for the White House in 2020. Let's continue the video. So we had a productive meeting today with Speaker Pelosi and Senator Schumer. I thought it was really a, a very, very good meeting. We're all on the same path in terms of wanting to get government open. Uh, we're going to be meeting. I've designated a group. And we're going to be meeting over the weekend, that group, to 
determine what we're going to do about the border. Uh, really, I want to thank a lot of the Border Patrol people and ICE people who came up yesterday. They had a tremendous impact on, I think, a lot of Democrats, frankly, but a lot of people, because they were able to lay out exactly what the problem is. And one of the problems described to me as an example, your ports of entry. We're going to agree with Chuck and Nancy and uh, Steady and Dick. In that meeting, he also he also said, quote, we can call a national emergency because of the security of our country. This wall may stretch from California through Texas, creating a 2,000-mile border. The other states that I did not mention would be Arizona and New Mexico. Um, we're not going to play this entire speech for you guys on that note because it is an hour long. But if you... <coughs> Excuse me for the cough there. If you would like this entire speech, we will put it in the description of this episode on our podcast, The Jeremiah Patterson Show. Trump claims, quote, two officers were shot at the border um, trying to stop illegal immigrants from getting into the country. Uh, the wall will not stop anything. It's just going to be a waste of money. Trump also claims, quote, he's done more than any other president. Uh, NBC News reports, quote, Trump threatens to declare a national emergency to build wall, warns of years-long shutdown. And Trump claims this shutdown will last months or even years. Shutdown may last until September, a report from the Trump White House. Hmm. I don't know if that's even possible for a presidential... A new Congress has arrived. A new Congress has spoken. Here's what they said today up on Capitol Hill. Today, guided by our new members and the American people that they represent, uh, that we all represent, we are introducing H.R. 1 to hold legislation to clean up corruption and restore integrity to government. Last year, when candidates were out campaigning to their constituents, new candidates and candidates were running for re-election, we heard loud and clear from the American people that they feel left out and locked out too often from their own democracy, that they want us to fight the culture of corruption, they want us to clean up Washington, fix the system, and give them their voice back. They want to be able to get to the ballot box without having to run an obstacle course. They want it to be easy, not hard, to register and vote in America. And H.R. 1 will address that concern. They want to make sure that when people come to Washington to serve, whether it's in the legislative branch or the executive branch, or as a member of the judiciary, they behave themselves. They abide by ethics. They have integrity that they're open and transparent. So H.R. 1 addresses ethical responsibility. And finally, they kept saying to us over and over and over again, don't get tangled up in the money. We don't want special interests and people who write big checks to govern our democracy, to determine what the legislative calendar is going to look like. 
We want the people's priorities to be reflected. So we have to fight back against special interests and big money. And H.R. 1 does that. Over the last two years, President Trump set the tone from the top in his administration that behaving ethically and complying with the law is optional. Ladies and gentlemen, I've stopped by here to simply say we're better than that. We're better than that. It cannot be optional. And that was the new Congress speaking. When we come back, Speaker Pelosi and how this talented and highly skilled woman became Speaker of the House in Washington. Stay with us. Nancy Pelosi has led the Democrats in the House for the last 16 years. She's been in power for the party's highs and lows. Sweeping, stunning Republican victories all across the country. President of the United States. After squashing an internal rebellion, Pelosi will again be Speaker of the House now that Democrats are back in the majority. I couldn't be more honored. So what are the tactics that have kept her in power for so long? Good morning. Pelosi's affinity for politics may be genetic. Well, I was born into a political family in Baltimore, Maryland. My father was in Congress when I was born, and my, he was mayor my whole life from when I was in first grade to went away to, to college. But despite being raised in political circles, Pelosi didn't jump in right away. Instead, she moved to San Francisco with her husband in the late 1960s and raised their five children as a stay-at-home mom. But as they grew up, Pelosi decided to enter the fray. Pelosi quickly rose through the ranks of the California Democratic Party, earning a reputation as a star fundraiser. And in 1987, she won a seat in Congress. Through the 90s, Pelosi navigated the party in Washington, becoming leader in 2003. Thank you all very much. Since then, she's raised millions for the Democrats. Over the years, Pelosi has earned a reputation as a shrewd legislator, especially when it comes to corralling votes. Her tactic? Rewarding loyalty with good roles and coveted assignments and punishing those who cross her. Exhibit A. When Representative John Dingell didn't support Pelosi for Democratic whip, she eventually backed someone else to take one of his committee seats. Pelosi has never been shy about how she feels about her leadership. Well, I'm a master legislator. I think I'm the best person to go forward uh, to unify. I have a strong following in the country. Thank you. And while her confidence has likely paid off, it also provides a counter to her other public persona, Democratic boogeywoman. Pelosi's long tenure has made her an easy target for the right. Amy McGrath is a Nancy Pelosi liberal. His name is Connor Land, but in Washington, he'd be one of Nancy Pelosi's sheep. And occasionally for the left. I didn't support Nancy Pelosi for any leadership position. We need some new leadership. But when asked, she just shrugs it off. I think I'm worth the trouble, quite frankly. Pelosi is no stranger to a fight or a quick retort. Please don't characterize the strength that I bring to this meeting. 
She's battled President Bush and recent GOP leaders. Mr. President, stay the course is not a strategy, it's a slogan. Say one nice thing about Paul Ryan. There's a big difference between the president and me. Mm-hmm. He has very thin skin, and I have very thick skin. <laughs> and with at least two more years to spar with President Trump, there are inevitably more fights to come. And we'll be right back on that note. Hiring a life auxiliary. What is that? I need assistance. I can only move my neck. You can move your mouth. As can you. A job he never expected. You're waterboarding me. You are not qualified for this position. Have you ever changed a catheter? Hmm. I can't feel this. Well, I can't. Became a friendship he never imagined. I get treated like I'm invisible. Welcome to my world. Which car is yours? All of these to the right. Oh, my God. They're not practical. Exactly. The Upside. Rated PG-13. Too artsy, too colorful, too dramatic. If you've got it, own it. Exactly. Alexa, play my dance playlist. Introducing the first ever Lexus UX, crafted to make every journey fabulous. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. So Sarah Sanders spoke trying to defend the president today. Take a listen. Point last night. Uh, Nancy Pelosi keeps saying putting up a wall, putting up a fence is immoral. Does that mean she's calling for the removal of the 650 miles of fence that's there right now? When did putting up a fence become immoral? (laughs) That's a great question, and I wonder if she's going to go on a crusade and take down all the fences and walls across this country. I certainly hope not. I'm sure that uh, the people that have them around their homes, the institutions that have them, uh, whether it's the Vatican or anywhere else, are not going to be real happy with the fact that Nancy Pelosi is calling their uh, walls and their security immoral. It's never been immoral to protect people. In fact, it's the absolute first duty that the President and Congress have is to protect the American people. We know that it's effective. In fact, we know that in this country, in the places that it's been put in, it's 95% effective in stopping illegal immigration from coming across this border. Serious question. Are, are Fox News viewers actually this dense that they would buy this bad faith argument? Or is everyone on the right just collectively pretending that this equivalency is logical? Nancy Pelosi doesn't care about the fence in your front yard. She doesn't care about the wall in the Vatican. She cares about not wasting taxpayer dollars on a sham wall, a literal monument to Trump's ego. Why? Because the wall is wasteful and egregiously expensive when we should be investing in education and infrastructure and health care. And it'll be ineffective. Border apprehensions have been plummeting for years, from as high as 1.6 million in 2000 down to about 300,000 in 2017, an 82% drop. Erecting a 2,000-mile concrete or metal or see-through or metaphorical wall, whichever one Republicans have settled on this week, is not only absurd, but wildly unpopular in the United States. This isn't just about uh, stopping uh, people from coming across. It's about stopping terrorists from coming across. It's about stopping drugs from flowing across the border of our country. Last year alone, there were nearly 4,000 known or suspected terrorists that CBP picked up that came across our southern border. Over 20. 
Sarah Sanders said, quote, last year alone, there were 4,000 terrorists that CBC picked up, apprehended at the border. I just wanted to make that clear to all of the listeners. Sarah Sanders, White House Press Secretary, said last year alone, 4,000 terrorists apprehended at the border that CBC picked up. We'll be right back. Stay with us. No more waiting. This year is going to be different. This year, I'm going to seize the day. Make a commitment to myself to take the time to breathe. This year, I want to stop bottling up my feelings and express myself. I want to send a positive message, even if it's just to me. Spend more time with those who matter most and build my support network. This year, I'm going to overcome my anxiety and get out of my comfort zone. And maybe even my time zone. I want to be more welcoming of the people, places, and experiences along the way. My New Year's resolution? Get happy. Start therapy today. Sign up for better help and get matched with a licensed counselor. Arby's two for five mix and match has a pairing for everyone. If you're a cheese lover, get a beef and cheddar and loaded curly fries. If you're a roast beef enthusiast, get a roast beef and a beef and cheddar. If you're a fish guy or gal, get two fish sandwiches. And if you still can't choose, just do what I do. Snake eyes. Arby's, we have the meat. Welcome back. The Washington Post reports three have died in accidents at national parks. The article goes on to say three days after most of the federal work phase was furlogged on December 21st, a 14-year-old girl fell 700 feet to her death at the Horseshoe Bend Overlook, part of the Glen Canyon Recreation Area in Arizona. The following day, Christmas, a man died at Yosemite National Park in California after suffering a head injury from a fall. On December 27th, a woman was killed by a falling tree at Great Smoky Mountains National Park with straddles. The borders of North Carolina and Tennessee, I also want to quote... Another piece from this article, it says, In 1955 and 2013, respectfully, the Clinton and Obama administrations made the decision to close the parks altogether. And in January 2018, White House Budget Director Mick Mulvaney and then Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke made the decision to keep national parks sites at accessible as possible in the event of a government shutdown. So the Trump administration is the one for those families to blame on so sudden deaths of a 14-year-old girl, a woman, and another person, all three of them killed in the event of this, of this government shutdown because of former Secretary, former Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke and former White House Budget Director, now Acting Chief of Staff, Mick Mulvaney. We'll be right back with lots more news ahead of us. 
is the best chili I've ever had. I'll be the judge of that. Mm. Hearty chunks of beef, bold seasonings. Winner! <laughs> I just want to thank everybody. I don't like the me. way that's gone to your head. Sonic's new hearty chili bowl. Here, but not for long. And try order ahead to get happy hour anytime. A 30-second video clip, widely shared on Twitter, showing New York Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez dancing on a rooftop. Shot while she was a student at Boston University, it's part of a several-minute homage to 80s movies like The Breakfast Club. The clip was posted the day before the new Congress was sworn in, in an apparent bid to embarrass the 29-year-old Bronx-born Latina, the youngest woman ever elected to Congress. The since-deleted anonymous post called the self-described Democratic Socialist a commie and a clueless nitwit and inspired a backlash from those who saw nothing wrong with a college student having fun. Ocasio-Cortez responded by tweeting a new video of herself dancing into her office. The dancing post was just the latest example of an ongoing effort by critics of Ocasio-Cortez to diminish her. A socialist. Proud socialist. Democratic socialist. She's become a lightning rod for conservatives. She's proposing that we take on, that we bring socialism yeah. to our country right now in Venezuela. There are people who can't afford shoes. In November, a columnist for the right-leaning Washington Examiner tweeted this photo of Ocasio-Cortez walking down a hallway in a blazer, apparently seeking to raise doubts about whether she struggles. At More like in stalker photo, he said, quote, Eddie Scary said, quote, Hill staffers sent me this pic of Ocasio-Cortez. They took just now. I'll tell you something. Quote, that jacket and coat don't look like a girl who struggles. Economically, Ocasio-Cortez wasn't shy about fighting back, posting in response, dark hates light. That's why you tune it out. She parries attacks from conservatives, including ongoing questions about her working class roots, by calling out corny Republicans and telling one poster, you didn't even know who I was seven months ago. You're not going to birther me now. A reference to the longtime effort, once championed by now President Trump, to paint President Obama as un-American. We made it here to Washington, D.C. for what I am lovingly calling Congress Camp Day Zero. People are going to have to start paying their fair share in taxes. Ocasio-Cortez also supports liberal policies that some, even within her own party, see as pie in the sky and that have made her a favorite target of Republicans. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she's constantly wrong but never in doubt. Uh, Senator Mike Lee. And Happy New Year, everyone. I saw nothing wrong in that video. All I saw was a young adult having fun, smiling, and dancing. We'll be right back. Stay with us on the Jeremiah Patterson Show for lots more ahead of this big night. Stay with us. A freshman Democrat put up quite a speech today. Trump gives stunning response to Democrats, quote, full words. Here's Ryan Tyler Cohen. More on that on his YouTube channel. And when your son looks at you and says, Mama, look, you won. Bullies don't win. And I said, baby, they don't. Because we're going to go in there. We're going to impeach the motherfucker. Hey!
That was freshman Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib calling for Trump to be impeached. And what unfailingly followed was a lot of pearl clutching from the right. Here's Republican Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy's statement to reporters when asked about the statement. You know what happened in the last Congress when Republicans were in the majority? You know what our freshman class did? They put a, a resolution together to actually work with one another. One thing before we continue this video, I'm so sorry for the split language that was put ahead in this video. Um, we'll continue the video now. To not use foul language. And they got almost every single freshman to sign on to it. This is the difference with this new Congress, and it's wrong. You know, with all due respect, though, the president not too long ago referred to a woman as horse face. That is Representative Kevin McCarthy. I agree with him on one part there. Explicit language, not it's not in this new Congress, but it's just on, well, her as a newly elected member of Congress. I think it was wrong to use explicit language representing the new Democratic Congress. And I just think it's unprofessional and... Maybe she should have thought of that before she used that explicit word, calling out the president, saying, calling the president an, an MFR. Hmm. Uh, Nancy Pelosi was on Joy Reid with the speaker tonight on MSNBC, and uh, Nancy Pelosi said that was very explicit language, and she would not use that word, especially since she is a grandmother. We'll be right back. Stay with us on the Jeremiah Patterson Show. Much more ahead. Co-host of the Ring of Fire YouTube channel, said this today. I know a lot of people are excited with Democrats retaking the House of Representatives. They've now been sworn in. We finally have some checks and balances in the federal government. And I hate to be the one to burst your bubble here, but with the Republicans gaining two additional seats in the Senate, there are still certain areas that are going to have long-lasting effects on the future of the United States where Republicans completely call the shots and Democrats at this point are quite literally helpless to stop the damage that Republicans are doing. And the number one area is the federal court system. See, after the midterms, Mitch McConnell in a very not publicly publicized interview said that his top priority after winning these additional seats in the Senate, getting a few more Republicans in there, his priority for the next two years is going to be appointing conservative judges, or excuse me, confirming conservative judges to courts all over the United States. And here's why that's so dangerous. Right now, Donald Trump, in two years in office, has gotten confirmed 30 circuit judges, 53 district judges, and two United States Supreme Court justices. 85 judges 
lifetime appointments, most of them young enough to serve for several decades, effectively remaking the entire court system here in the United States with a pro-corporate, anti-consumer, anti-LGBT, anti-women bias. That's what's happening in our courts. In fact, he's appointed so many circuit courts that now one out of every six circuit court judges is a Donald Trump appointee. Not just a Republican appointee, a Donald J. Trump appointee. We have seen the damage that these conservative, unqualified judges can do to our democracy. How they benefit corporations, how they continuously screw over consumers, they screw over the labor movement, they take us tons of steps backwards on civil rights issues, on voting issues, on everything. But that has always been the number one goal of the United States Republican Party, at least since the early 1970s. And it's a goal that Democrats have not ever been able to match. And based on all of the available evidence over the last 50 years, they also don't even seem to care that Republicans are remaking the lower court system in the United States, where the majority of cases are decided. They want to focus on the Supreme Court, where, yeah, most powerful court in the land, no doubt about it. That's what they do. You can't really overturn something from the Supreme Court unless you get a future Supreme Court to do it. And even then, that's very rare and very unlikely. 90% of cases here in the United States, actually more than 90%, are decided at the lower level, the circuit level, the district level, the ones that Trump and McConnell have been packing for the last two years with virtually nobody out there in corporate media talking about it. And Mitch McConnell has said, the words came out of his mouth, that that is his priority for the next two years. And again, that's bad news, right? There's worse news. Democrats can't stop it. Republicans control the Senate. The Senate are the ones who confirm the judges. I hate to sound hopeless, but there is nothing Democrats can do. On top of that, Trump has so far nominated six individuals who got a not qualified rating from the American Bar Association. Four of them have already been confirmed. One of them withdrew their nomination. One of them is still pending. But McConnell doesn't care if they're not qualified. McConnell doesn't care if they're openly biased. McConnell doesn't care if they have a questionable history of sexual assault or if they've committed countless ethics violations while on the lower court. He just wants them on the courts. And that is all that this man, Mitch McConnell, is going to be concerned about for the next two years. Reshaping the federal judiciary so that it can screw over American consumers for generations. Theron Cousins was absolutely correct, and you can disagree with me if you want, but I I totally agree with Theron Cousins on that note there because the Republicans have totally destroyed what it means to be a Democrat in the United States. They have destroyed our democracy, and we are trying to get our democracy back up that it was built on in our great nation, and Americans are forgetting our our nation's motto, e pluribus unum. As I mentioned in their 2018 speech of the year, you can go back down and find that episode. 
Uh, good luck doing that. Uh, but I totally agree with Farron Cosmos on that because Republicans do not care. The Republican Party does not care. They just want to put anybody on the court. We saw that Brett Kavanaugh was confirmed despite that three women, I'm sorry, I think it was four, women accused Brett Kavanaugh of sexual misconduct allegations. And he was still confirmed and put on this United States Supreme Court because Republicans don't care and they just want people confirmed on the court, such as our president. Our president does not care. Our president does not care of our, our cabinet appointees, background history and all of that. He just wants to fill in positions with not even looking and taking a look at their history. I mean, wouldn't Republicans want to take a second to say, whoa there, this guy's being accused of sexual misconduct allegations by four women. Don't we want to hold off here? But no, Brett Kavanaugh was confirmed to the United States Supreme Court. And that is a problem that our country still deals with, with the Republican Party. The Republican Party will not change. We'll be right back. One more video of Farron Cousins before we go. Yesterday in the White House press briefing room, Donald Trump kind of gave a little impromptu uh, rant to reporters in the room where he told them that he has never, throughout his entire presidency, gotten as much support for the wall as he has in the last two weeks. Now, obviously, he's bringing this up because we are in day 14, I believe, of the federal government partial shutdown, which is 100 percent Donald Trump's doing because he wants five billion dollars for his border wall or border slats. He doesn't even know what it's going to be anymore, but he was willing to do this partial government shutdown until he gets that five billion. So he was trying to convince the reporters in that room that the public is absolutely crazy about the idea for a wall. They love it. And they're all calling him at the White House to let him know that. He's also getting the tweets. He's getting the emails uh, somehow. But here's the thing. He did specifically say that people have been calling the White House over the last two weeks to let him know how much they love the idea of the wall. Here's the problem with that. It's an absolute lie. And we can easily verify that that is not happening because the White House switchboard was shut down as part of the partial government shutdown. And the reporters know that. If you were to call the White House right now, even to express your love and admiration for Donald Trump's fictitious wall, you would get a pre-recorded message and that is it. You wouldn't be able to talk to the president. You wouldn't be able to tell him how much you love his wall idea. And nobody would be there to relay that message, even if you could. So Trump, in that room full of reporters, once again lied to their faces about getting all this support for his wall. The truth is, yes, there are plenty of conservatives on Twitter, including those little fly-by-nighters whose 15 minutes of fame is almost up. People like Ben Shapiro, Tommy Lahren, Charlie Kirk, Candace Owens. Uh, they all support the wall. Yeah, absolutely. And again, their clock is reading about 1459 at this point, so they're almost halfway out the door right now. You also have some other hardcore Republicans who say, yes, we need the wall. You have the MAGA hat wearing supporters tweeting about how much we need the wall. But the majority of people in this country, the rational thinking ones, 
They do not support the idea of a border wall. In fact, the latest polling shows that less than half of the country actually thinks the wall is a good idea. And those numbers continue to drop as more and more people realize that Mexico is not going to pay for it. So Donald Trump actually shutting down the government to get the funding for his border wall is making less people support the idea of a wall because now they realize Mexico's not the one who's going to pay for it. And I got to say, though, how gullible were you to begin with if you ever thought Mexico was going to pay for this border wall. They made it expressly clear from the first time Donald Trump ever said that, that it wasn't going to happen. Trump himself never believed it would. And now he's out there telling us this nonsense that no, they're paying for it through the savings that we're going to get from this new trade deal that I have worked out that actually hasn't even been uh, passed by Congress, so it's technically not even a thing at the moment. This man is a serial liar. There is nothing that he is even capable of telling the truth about. And more and more people seem to be waking up to that. They seem to be understanding what's happening with this man. Unfortunately, at this point, not enough of them yet understand that he is incapable of telling them the truth. I think as this year goes on, and as we plow further into the Trump administration uh, tenure, I think more and more people are going to understand that. Because it's not just the big things that Donald Trump is, is ready to lie about. It's quite literally at this point, every single thing he talks about, big, small, consequential, inconsequential, there is nothing that this man will not lie about. Baron Cosden's absolutely true. You can disagree with him if you want, but <laughs> I had to laugh there because when there is a government shutdown, the White House switchboards are off and you will get a pre-recorded message. Hmm. Well, well, thanks everyone for being with us on this Friday. Tomorrow we will be rebroadcasting the Obama years for those who missed it. It will be a TJPS special coverage episode of the Obama years. Rebroadcast it for you guys. I'll be back Monday for more news and politics and presidents on the Jeremiah Patterson Show. Thank you everyone and good night.